Welcome to the Nourish, Eat, Repeat podcast, helping people who want to improve their health and change their mindset around food so they can live the life they were designed and called for. I am your host, Adrian Delgado, and in this podcast, I'll give you step-by-step action plans to reach your health goals, as well as my favorite recipes I know you and your family will enjoy. Let's get started. Welcome back to Nourish, Eat, Repeat. Now, as you know, I'm a registered dietitian, and so I see a lot of clients each week. They come into my office for many reasons. Um, Sometimes it's for weight management. Other times it's for medical nutrition therapy. You know, they're looking for help managing a disease or they want to prevent a disease because it's in their family history. Um, We also do things like sports nutrition and corporate nutrition, a whole bunch of different things, but probably the majority of people that walk into the office are looking for weight management, specifically weight loss. You know, we always think it's interesting when somebody walks in looking for weight loss and when we start having a conversation with them, they start listing off all the things medically that they're struggling with. And sometimes they're like, well, Maybe we should get some of this other stuff under control first, and then we can talk about weight loss. But inevitably, weight loss is something that is on a lot of people's mind. And let's face it, COVID has not been kind to a lot of us. We picked up some pretty bad habits, and now we're looking to dig our way out of the hole. Summer is coming, and we want to look and feel our best. And so today, I wanted to talk about two things, all right? What I have found in my experience is that people that are good at losing weight are really good at two things. And now some of you may be thinking, well, they just, they're good at motivation or willpower. I was recently reading a book all about willpower, trying to understand it from a psychological standpoint. How can I help my clients create their own willpower? And interesting as this is, it's probably not new information to any of you, but I still wrote it down, is stress is the enemy of willpower. Isn't that the truth? Stress is the enemy of willpower. And so if you're looking to be more motivated and have more willpower, first and foremost, we got to look at de-stressing our lives. But I digress. We're not talking about stress today. We're going to be talking about two tips that people that are really good at losing weight, they have figured these two things out. And we're going to jump right in. So, and again, it's not willpower. I'm going to give you actual practical tips that you can use uh, today. So let's jump in. Number one, people that are really good at losing weight, they know how to recover from a mistake. Again, you have heard me talk about this countless times at this point. In fact, you should know what I'm going to say because I say it all the time. Nutrition is not an all or nothing thing. This is the challenge that most people struggle with. They still continue to see it as either I'm doing everything right and I'm succeeding or I'm failing and it's all wrong and I might as well not even try. In fact, as a punishment, let me eat everything I see Because tomorrow I'm going to have to double down and restrict even more. And you and I both know that doesn't work. 
And what's interesting is there are no other parts of our lives that we follow this all or nothing mentality with. We don't do it with our jobs. We don't do it with how we raise our children. It's just about food. And the reason why we don't do it anywhere else in our lives is because it's not effective. It doesn't work. But for some reason, we continue to try and make it work with our diet and our food. And so we need to let this go. And we need to let this go because we are human. We are going to mistake, going to make mistakes. In fact, we're going to make multiple mistakes in a single day. And that's okay. We need to learn to look at mistakes differently. And I'm telling you right now that the people that are very successful in their weight loss endeavors, they know how to make a mistake and not make it mean that they have failed and now they must give up. I want you to think about what is the mindset around making mistakes, right? When you make a mistake, you get discouraged. You get frustrated with yourself. You might even get angry. When you have those negative feelings, you feel bad. And most of the people that I work with use food as a coping strategy. They eat when they feel bad. So therefore, they're creating an emotion that's going to make them do the opposite of what they want to do. When they feel bad, they're going to eat. That doesn't work. Feeling bad, wallowing, getting upset, agitated, that does not work if food is your coping strategy. In fact, I told you I was reading this book about willpower and you know, they were talking about all of the ways that don't work, right? Eating does not work. You know, when you make a mistake, you, your brain seeks out a reward. It wants that dopamine hit. It wants to feel better. And so most of us seek the wrong things in trying to make ourselves feel better. We turn to food. We turn to alcohol. We turn to shopping. Maybe it's binge watching TV, surfing the web for hours. For some people, it's gaming or playing games on their phone. We do these things as a form of stress management, coping strategy, whatever you want to call it. And we think that they're going to help us feel better. But actually, surveys show that these strategies are highly ineffective. They actually don't make us feel better. In fact, they make us feel worse, right? You eat the chocolate to make yourself feel better, but now you feel guilty for eating the chocolate. It's, it's just a cycle <laughs> that goes around and around and around. And so you're asking now, okay, Adrian, if you're telling me that food does not work, what does work? All right. Well, there are actually a lot of things that work that don't evoke guilt afterwards. Things like exercise. You know, exercise is one of those things that sometimes can be hard to get motivated to do, but I have yet to meet anybody that exercises and regrets it afterwards. Ugh, I wish I would have never done that. I feel worse now. Nobody feels worse. Everybody feels better when they exercise. Things like prayer and meditation, 
Most people don't feel guilty after they've done that. They feel better. Um, reading is another really effective method. Uh, listening to music, going outside for a walk, enlisting in a creative hobby, spending time with family and friends. You'll notice that each of these activities does not create further guilt. It actually boosts your dopamine levels, that reward center of your brain. It makes you feel better and then you move on. Remember, we talked about this before. We don't want to try to utilize blame and shame and guilt as our motivators. They do not work. We have to create new habits that provide that dopamine response we're looking for, but don't create additional layers of guilt afterwards that perpetuate the cycle. So I'm going to give them to you again. These are the things that do work as a much more effective coping strategy. You're going to feel a little frustrated when you make a mistake, especially if you're really dedicated to your goal. Again, you have to realize we're all going to make mistakes, but how we cope with those mistakes is going to be the difference between success and struggling. So again, what works? Things like exercise, prayer and meditation, reading, listening to music, going outside for a walk, enlisting in a creative hobby, or spending time with family and friends. They do not create guilt. And that's a much more pleasant way. It's a lot more effective way at dealing with the frustration of making a mistake. But it also allows you to get up and move on. All right. Remember, we don't want to feel guilty. So if you experience a setback, it's really important to identify what are you feeling do you automatically revert to self-criticism? Or can you talk yourself off the ledge and say like, oh, I made a mistake. That's okay. Everybody makes mistakes and move forward. Tell yourself, remind yourself, you're only human and you're not the only person that struggles. I think sometimes we feel that way, right? We feel like, oh, I am the only person that constantly struggles with this one thing. Why is it that I always, why is this always my challenge? I'm the only person that must struggle with this. And that can't be further from the truth. I actually was a guest on a podcast earlier today. And the host was talking about uh, COVID and picking up really bad habits. And she's like, you know, I'm probably the only person that struggled with this, but I picked up a lot of bad eating habits over the past year. And I started laughing. I'm like, uh, just you and 99% of the people I work with, you're not alone. You're not alone at all. We all struggle with something. You're human. You're allowed to struggle. You're allowed to make mistakes. My favorite quote comes from a dear friend, and he said, we lead with our strengths and we connect with our weaknesses. We all have struggles. I have mine too. All right. So identify when you have a setback, identify what you're feeling. Make sure self-criticism is not something you default to. 
Step two is remind yourself you're human. You're going to make mistakes and you are not the only person who has ever struggled with this situation. And then finally, step three is consider what you would say to a friend if he or she was struggling with this exact um, situation. What would you say? Say somebody was trying to, I don't know, avoid chocolate at work. And she got all upset because the boss said something that was hurtful. And she ran and grabbed a candy bar out of the vending machine. Right? And she ate the candy bar because she was so upset. But now she's even more upset because she ate the candy bar. What would you tell that friend of yours? Would you tell her, oh, you, you're ridiculous. Why would you do that? That was terrible. What a terrible, horrible person you are for eating the chocolate bar. Of course you wouldn't. You would never say that to this person, this coworker. You would gently remind her that, you know, you made a mistake. It's not a big deal. You know, at this point, we can just move forward. So it's done. And how about we go for a walk and talk this out until you feel better and then we'll go back, right? Think of how would you talk to a friend in this situation and then heed the same advice. Move on. Don't beat yourself up for making a mistake and don't beat yourself up for correcting the mistake in a way that's not productive. You didn't have that information at the time. You did the best you could with what you had in terms of knowledge and resources. But now you've listened to this podcast and you can try another solution. You can try another tactic and hopefully it will get you a different result. So that's the first thing. People that are really good at losing weight, they know how to recover from a mistake. And the second thing that people are good at that lose weight is they know how to sit in the uncomfortable. They know how to sit in the uncomfortable. What does that mean? (laughs) Because that doesn't feel like it's going to be a good tip. (laughs) When I wrote that down, I'm like, ooh, that makes me uncomfortable just writing that down. You know, we're often taught uncomfortable is bad, right? When we feel agitated, when we feel upset, when we feel angry, when we feel bitter, when we feel lonely, you know, any type of, we'll say, negative emotion, you know, we're taught that is a bad thing. You know, let's, you feel bad, you feel sad. Well, come on, put a smile on your face. You know, let's get, let's get moving forward, right? We don't want to feel sad. We don't want to feel agitated or we don't want to feel bad. And so we try to move through that uncomfortable feeling as quickly as possible. In fact, I can even just share a story that just happened yesterday. I was talking to one of my good friends. Um, I was having a situation with somebody, and I couldn't figure out why it was making me so upset. Um, I had a conversation, and for whatever reason, the conversation just really bothered me, and I couldn't figure out why. I felt like I was overreacting to a situation that I should have just left go. But for whatever reason... It was like eating at me. And so I called my one friend up because I was like, please, can you help me work through this? Because I I just, I hate not knowing why I'm so upset and this feels so uncomfortable. I like, I got to get to the root of the problem. 
And so we started talking and, you know, she's asking me questions and I'm talking through it. And all of a sudden I said something and I could feel like I got punched in the gut. Like I could feel my emotions rising up. I could feel the tears coming and I just stopped talking. And she said, keep going. And I I couldn't like, cause I didn't, well, I didn't want to cry, but I could feel like the lump in my throat. I could feel almost like a visceral response to, to the emotion. And I just wanted to shut it down because it was so uncomfortable. And my friend who is so smart just kept saying, keep going, work through it. Don't stop yourself right now. Allow yourself to walk through this. And I didn't want to. Every part of me wanted to shut down and not feel that emotion because it was too strong. It was too powerful. And I think that's what happens to us a lot of times. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of big feelings. There's a lot of emotions. And the minute it gets a little uncomfortable, we try to shut it down. And that agitation that we feel we want to quiet it and we want to get rid of it as quickly as possible. And unfortunately, a lot of us do that with food. I don't like the way this feels. Let me stop it in its tracks and let me shove it on down and I'll use food to do that because it worked in the past. We don't know how to be uncomfortable. Nobody has really taught us that. Everyone has taught us, you know, you're okay, get up, get out there, you're fine. We haven't really allowed ourselves to sit and grieve or work through the process. We're told to rush and hurry up and work through it as quickly as possible. So it's not uncomfortable for, for multiple people. This is a problem. If we don't know how to work through our emotions and we find ourselves trying to eat our way through them, we're not going to be successful with our weight loss goals. You know, I thought it was really interesting. Again, I'm reverting back to my willpower book. Uh, They talked about external threats. When there's an external threat coming, like say you're walking across the street and this car is barreling down the street, it's going to hit you if you don't run to the other side. You know, when there's an external threat Our sympathetic nervous systems start going into overdrive. It's that whole fight or flight response. And what's really interesting is our prefrontal cortex. Remember, guys, from other episodes, that's the front part of our brain that is responsible for thinking of consequences and goals and logic and um, making sure that what we do is in alignment with what we really want to do. When there is an external threat that prefrontal cortex becomes inhibited. So we don't overthink something. Like if a car's coming at you, there, you don't want to be standing there thinking, well, should I stay where I'm at? Or maybe I should walk a little bit faster. But what if I stay? Maybe I could go backwards. Like there's no time to think about all that stuff. It's get across the street as fast as you can before you get hit. And so you're brain in a way to protect you shuts down that prefrontal cortex, the one that is going to make different decisions so that you can make the best, you can take the best action in that moment, which is run, (laughs) right? But if it's an internal threat, we don't want, 
that prefrontal cortex getting shut down. We actually want to do the opposite. We want to what they call pause and plan. We want to allow that prefrontal cortex to do its work so that we can come up with the best decision. So meaning, let me talk to you about an internal threat. Let's just say you're struggling with anxiety, right? And it's uncomfortable. And I don't want to feel anxious. So let me quick do the first thing that I can think of to get rid of it. Eat. When we do something immediate, when we try to come up with a solution without really thinking about, well, is eating the right action? Or maybe are there other alternatives? We've got to let our prefrontal cortex catch up to the conversation. We have to make sure that our prefrontal cortex can get in on the conversation so that we can present another option. Instead of eat, hey, there's another thing I could do here. We talked about those solutions just a couple minutes ago. So if you're dealing with an internal threat, some of these uncomfortable emotions, there's no car coming at you ready to hit you. It's more of an internal struggle that you're dealing with. We need to let our prefrontal cortex catch up. And that means pausing. That means slowing down. We don't want to speed up. We want to slow down. Now, how do we slow down? Well, one of the most powerful things is deep breathing and meditation. Meditation actually trains the brain and it trains the brain by increasing blood flow to the prefrontal cortex so it can become an engaged member of the conversation. When you slow down your breath, it reduces stress. Remember I told you in the very beginning, stress is the enemy of willpower. We want to reduce stress so that we can think clearly and make the best decision. So in the act of meditation and slowing down your breath, you can reduce stress and you can teach your mind to handle the inner distractions and the outer temptations. We need to slow things down so we can redirect our mind into another option. See, it's not about getting rid of your thoughts. It's learning not to get so lost in them that you forget what your goal is. You know, when you're in a state of emotion, like I said, anxiety, stress, agitation, the only... The only option in the moment for people that use food as a coping strategy is to eat because it's their default coping strategy. And in the moment, thinking about not eating is not even an option. It's automatic. We have to slow things down so that we can create an alternative option. And I want to make sure I, I make a note here because a lot of people get upset or they get frustrated that they have these automatic thoughts. They, ha- they get upset that they think of food first. And I, I want to tell you today, don't get upset with having the thought. We all have thoughts. We're not bad people because we have thoughts. And it doesn't mean that we're not progressing 
towards reaching our goal. I know I've been working in the nutrition field for a very long time, and I use myself as a test subject. And a lot of times, you know, I think that I'm, I'm working towards a goal or I'm finally succeeding at not thinking a certain way, and eventually that thought will come back again. And I'll be like, oh, why am I still having these thoughts? It, just because I have the thoughts doesn't mean I'm not showing progress in that area. Everybody has thoughts. The trick is not to be scared of having the thoughts. The trick is how can I slow myself down so I can make sure that I have all the thoughts that I need to make the best decision. So I'm going to suggest or encourage you to try meditation. You know, find a quiet place in your house, put both feet on the floor, and just focus on breathing, close your eyes, that's probably helpful, and just focus on your breath. Focus on inhaling and exhaling and staying present in the moment. And if your mind wanders, just bring it on back. Don't get upset. <laughs> just bring it on back. If it helps, you can even even say inhale and exhale as you breathe to keep you focused. Um, but if you find that your mind wanders, you know, bring it back by saying the words to help you stay present. And meditation, it's so interesting that by training your brain through meditation, you can actually create these distractions or these, I should say, be the power and the, oh, what's the word I want to use? You can get really good at redirecting your thoughts whenever the situation arises. So, you know, when you're in a challenging situation and your automatic default was eat chocolate, if you practice meditation on a regular basis, when you are in one of those moments, you'll be able to redirect your thoughts to another option. So I want you to try it. I want you to see, does this work? And, you know, tell me about it. Reach out to me. Comment. Let me know. Did you try it? Did it work? Do you feel like you have more control and feel better moving forward? Don't worry if you're bad at meditation. In fact, being bad at meditation is a good thing because it just means you have lots of extra practice at redirecting your thoughts. <laughs> Maybe start with two minutes. Close your eyes. Find a quiet space in your house. Set a timer for two minutes. And just focus on being present. And as you get better at it, you can slowly start to lengthen the time. All right, guys. So that is what I have for you today. All right. Two things that people are good at when they're losing weight is they know how to recover from a mistake. And they also know how to sit with the uncomfortable. But hopefully you learned some strategies today that will help you move forward so you can be successful too. All right, so I need to give you your recipe of the week. This week is so simple. You only need two ingredients. You need berries and you need vanilla yogurt. That's it. This is actually a really fun one you can do with your kids. Um, now, you'll also need a sheet pan and some parchment paper and a couple toothpicks. 
So what you're going to want to do is wash your fruit off really well. So I like to use berries. So blackberries, blueberries, strawberries, raspberries, but any fruit will work. And you're going to take one of your toothpicks and you're going to stab your fruit with it and roll it around in your vanilla Greek yogurt. And then you're going to use a second toothpick to slide the fruit off of the first toothpick onto your parchment paper. And once you've lined up all your yogurt covered fruit on your sheet pan, you're going to freeze it for about an hour. And then it can be a fun, delicious snack for your whole family to enjoy later on that day. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed this, this episode. As always, um, I love to hear from you. And if you found this episode helpful, please feel free to share it with others so we can continue to grow our audience. Have a great day and I'll see you next time. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Nourish, Eat, Repeat podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please rate, review, and share with others so we can reach and help more people. For more information about nutrition, how to work with a dietitian, or about any of our programs, visit our website at bodymetricspa.com. Or you can find us on socials. We're on Instagram at Bodymetrics Health or on Facebook at Bodymetrics Health and Wellness Services. The book, Nourish, Eat, Repeat, is available on our website and Amazon in both paperback and ebook versions. Once again, I'm Adrienne Delgado, and I'll see you next week.